sounds funny, but I just can't stand the pain. Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow. Seems to me, girl, you know I've done all I can. You see a big stone and I bought Yeah. That's why I'm That's right. It's the easy like Sunday morning edition of the Dan Jacobs Show. Welcome. Welcome aboard. Glad to have you with us for the next three hours. I am Dan Jacobs, and you are in the easy like Sunday morning edition of the Dan Jacobs Show. We got a little chaos going on behind the glass. And I walked in, and uh, I guess this was like some sort of silent protest, because the person that's working the show before ours, you know, there's a, you know, there's a called a board op, the guy that runs the, well, you know, the, the computer stuff and everything, the board, and I couldn't see who it was, and they got like a tank top on and a Gilligan hat and sunglasses, and I'm like, whoa, what, what's going on? I didn't even know who it was at first. And it was Ty Fuji, who's a longtime board up on this show as well. You know, I got a bunch of, you know, people. What I do is uh, I'm like the uh, Sean Payton of the station. You know, I train them up and I send them on their very, you know, merry way and they go on to bigger and better things. You know, like uh, KJ Granderson right now is working on the drive. And, you know, the list is long of my protégés. You know, like, I'm, you know, I guess the Mike Shanahan, so to speak. Like, the, why did, you know, that was one of the things in the morning show they're talking about right now. Look at the coaching tree of Mike Shanahan, man. It's all out the league, right, throughout the league right now. How can he not be in the Hall of Fame? And it's similar with people that have worked for me. I got, like, a guy right now hosting Afternoon Drive on another station. That was one of my protégés. And throughout, the, you know, it's throughout the broadcasting world, so... Uh, but, you know, Ty's works on this show as well. And uh, But I, I didn't recognize him. He turns around. It's Ty. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? You got the Gilligan hat on? You got sunglasses? Didn't you get the memo? I said, did you win something? What have you won lately? He says, hey, man, Sean Payton's not my boss. And it really was out of character because Ty is, you know, generally, he's got shorts on and a tank top and all this. Like, he's literally going to the beach right after the show or something. I don't know if he's going to Cherry Creek Reservoir or what. It's like totally, like, like I think he is, maybe after last night's performance out of the Broncos, which wasn't bad. We'll talk about it. It wasn't bad. It just was nothing to write home about. Sean Payton seemed to be very upset at the end. I think just because he doesn't like to lose, and the team lost at the end. The back end of the roster just made mistakes, and they got outplayed at the end, and they lost. That's all. They kind of want to blame the refs. Like the officials made them lose or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, so that was weird, and then it was just kind of funny. I'm talking to Colin Zanker. You're with me again, second day in a row. How are you? Yes, sir. I'm wonderful, man. Now, I, now I you're. Mean, the, I didn't know that this was chaos for you. Well, you're the you single. So calm. Well, it's you're chaos. you're the single guy, right? I am. You know, and uh, you're a little bit younger than me, and I'm the married guy. So you think I I live out in the suburbs, and you think my life would be you know kind of this 
more calm, you know, boring life. But then I talked to you right before the show. I'm like, well, how was your night? And you're like, it was pretty good. Um, it was it was like straight out of old school with Will Ferrell. He's like, yeah, I had, no, had, had a pretty nice little Saturday. Uh, went to Bed Bath & Beyond, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, uh, well, tell him. Tell me what you said. I, I put away a bunch of Amazon boxes and watched the Broncos game. That's, that's about it. Yeah. And you literally said, I was a little confused. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're like, yeah, I had a pretty good night. I, I put away the Amazon deliveries. And at first I'm like, you know, because a lot of guys around here, because when you're going to start it in radio, it's part-time, whatever, you have to have second jobs. Like they'll work at like a DoorDash or maybe second second job as an Amazon delivery driver. Yeah. I'm a chef at a, or I work at a hotel, yeah. Yeah, you work at a hotel, you're a chef. And so I'm like, wait, are you, are, were you doing deliveries or something? And you're like, it was like, no, no. Like I had deliveries from Amazon and I walked out to my porch and that was pretty exciting. I put stuff away. It was. I, and then you're going deeper and you're describing how exciting this was. You're like, yeah, I got I got some rice and uh, cup of noodles. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. And I got some energy drinks. I'm like, good God. We got to spice it up for you, Colin. Well, you know, sometimes when you're uh, getting used to working, being at work by 5 a.m., the uh, <laughs> nights end a little bit earlier than they did in my early 20s. Got, I will say that. We got to get you hanging out with... Uh, with uh, Dante Gomez, maybe. Although I think his nightlife has been slowed a little bit because he's, you know, he's got the the cast on. Yeah, yeah, but he is doing progressing well in that. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, cast on his leg might hinder the activity outside of the house. Yeah, maybe you could go and be his wingman once he gets uh, once he gets back in action. So anyway, see, once football season starts up, though, there's there's a lot. I'm just prepping myself for nothing else besides football. Yes. That, that's what I'm doing. This is in preparation. I stocked up. I've got the cupboards full. Now I can just focus, focus on noodles. football. Cup well, yeah. Rice-a-roni and sun chips and energy drinks. I mean, that's everything that a young guy needs to survive, The cornerstone right? of every nutritious meal. Energy drinks and cup of noodles and sun chips. There's probably some mac and cheese in there, too. Yes. Lots of, what do you call those? Uh, nitrates? Yes. <laughs> Positive. I do have I do have I do have some fresh stuff. MS, that I MSG. Too, but these are just easy, easy meals MSG. on the fly. All right. Well, um got Chet Anders coming up in a few minutes. Uh did we'll t- of course we'll be directing the game throughout the uh throughout the show. Uh, I will say this. Um I'll be giving you the skinny. It was nice. Uh I I guess my first thoughts are we only got a couple minutes here. I did enjoy. I like. I like having Ryan Harris on the broadcast because he's a local guy. I'm thinking about this though. Let's throw this out there. Steve Levy's fine. You know, when he first came on, because you know we had Ron Zapolo. I think Dave Logan did it for a long time, and then for whatever reason that fell off, and so they brought in. Um, I think Ron Zapolo was doing. I don't remember exactly how this happened. Maybe Zapolo was doing it, and then brought in Dave Logan and whatever. Um, but then. I don't know how many years ago it was. Was it five years ago? Was it ten years ago? How long has Steve Levy been doing the, the dang thing? I don't know. I still remember the Logan days, but I don't remember yeah. the preseason ones. So they brought it in. had to be within the last five. Though. They brought in Steve Levy, I don't know, four or five years ago, however many it was. And it was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because he's, he's kind of a national guy. And he's ESPN's really kind of hockey guy. And I've, I've, you know, I've crossed paths with him before back in the day when I was, you know, working here full time. He's a nice guy. Um, he does a fine job. But I thought he was like a stopgap, and I'm, I, you know, it just occurred to me last night, like, why isn't Nine News get like a local guy to do this, like, like develop a local guy 
Um, so I'm just thinking, um, for example, Matt Smith, former voice of the Buffs, he could do it, right? There's one. Uh, Chad Andrus, who we'll have on next, a former play-by-play of the local, uh, I guess, well, it was a D-League team then. Now it would be called a G-League team, the 14ers. Done lots of games. He was an NBA TV uh, play-by-play guy as well. He's done a, he has a vast career. Um, I don't know, Mark Mosier is out there doing nothing right now. Like, there's, there, there's guys throughout the market that are local. Did you, kind of going further, did you see the post game though? Did you see who was on the post Orlando looking very dapper. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like he could be doing color. Like like Ryan does fine on on the uh on the you know, he's a little um I mean he does Notre Dame, of course. He's a little I like him. He, he you know, it was a little curious because I was rewatching the game again. He kept calling Russell Wilson's performance last night dynamic. Which I was like, What are you doing? But he he, he gets a little bit of that trap of being a little too Pollyannish. Um, but, you know, he's funny. He's a little bit clever. I think he'll grow into that role a little bit. You know, I kind of like, you know, I would like to see his McChesney. You know, because McChesney always seems like he's a little, uh, like he's like one, you know, just one moment away from blowing a gasket on somebody. And his analysis is good, especially on the offensive line play and stuff. But, like, I could just see him not holding anything back. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing McChesney. So if, anyway, if we had any thoughts, if you had any thoughts today, I mean, it's a local broadcast. Why do we got some national guy who's fine? Yeah. He's a professional. I have nothing against Levy. But, dude, it's local. Get some local people on there. It's well, it's only three times a year. I, I You know, come on. You know, so if you had any thoughts on that, um, you know, send them in. Ramoslaw.com, text line 303-713-1043. Um, that could be fun. We'll keep this thing rolling. I do need to because he's got somewhere to be. He's rolling, you know, talk about suburban life. Lodo Chad is now suburban Chad. He's gotten the kids in the car probably as we speak. So I want to check in with him. He did our fan post-game show last night. I wanted to see how that went, um, get his reaction to the game last night. Coming up next, Chad Andrus here on the Dan Jacobs Show. All right, we go out to the hotline. Chad Andrus joining us at the fan post game show last night. Chad, how are you this morning? I'm um, wonderful. Standing in the shade right outside the gate at Cherry Hills, ready to go in and take in the final round of the U.S. Amateur. It's yeah. exciting. Yeah, golf? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's golf, Dan. Yes. The U.S. Amateur is golf. Yeah, should have a little uh, nice, uh, nice, nice little Sunday out there, huh? Yeah, Nick Dunlap from Alabama against uh, Neil Shipley from Ohio State in 36-hole match play. They started at 8, so I'm not sure where they stand right now, but I'm ready to go in and find out and check it out. All right, so this conversation we were having, uh, I just you know, it just popped in my head. I think Steve Levy does a fine job. I like the job um, Ryan Harris did on the broadcast last night. But um, I was just thinking, and I actually mentioned your name you know, as one of the candidates here for this, but... You know, I was like, why doesn't Nine News develop somebody local to do the broadcast? Um, not that anything wrong with Steve Levy does, but it's been several years now. I don't know how long Steve Levy's been doing it, four or five years. It used to be Zapolo or Dave Logan. It's been plenty of time to develop somebody local. And I was just like, hey, you know, we've got Chad Andrus or a Matt Smith or you know, a Mosher, anybody out there that could be doing something local. Um, so I'm throwing names out there. Um and I said, you know, I, I actually, you know, even on the, I would like to see, uh, there's some color names out there as well that would be um, fun. Not you know, maybe even with a Ryan Harris, because I think Ryan does a fine job as well. But uh, just having some fun with that. Uh, would you be up to the task, Chad? 
Absolutely. I, I would love it. And given my background in play-by-play, um, I'm not a real big fan of when people in broadcasts, in uh, coaching press conferences and players, when they throw out the term, it's preseason for everybody. It's preseason for the broadcasters. It's preseason for the officials. It's your job. So let's learn how to pronounce Okwebenam and let's get it right. So I'm not a real big fan when people say that. Um, but again, that's something that is, you know, somewhat up to nine news, but I think more so at the discretion of the Broncos approval, uh, that would be up to them and choosing who they want. They, they choose to go with a recognizable name, right? So I'm sure they have the reasons for it. Um, if they ever chose another direction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is weird on a week to week basis. Uh, Okuyabuam or whatever, how it, and they both do it. Both him and Ryan Harris do it. Isn't it weird? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very strange. You know, when you, when you do play by play and you go through the grind and you do high school games in every state at every level and every sport and you do volleyball and you do hockey and you do, um, you know, NBA G league, uh, you learn to get names right and you learn to get them right. Even if they're guys that aren't going to be long for that league or that team, because it's your job. So that's just something that I, I'm not going to budge on. I'll die on that Hill. Um, it is preseason. So it's not the biggest deal in the world to most people. Clearly they don't find it as a, a big deal for people that really appreciate the details and the skill that it takes to do play by play. I, I would like to see a little bit better effort. Yeah, somebody texting in because I'd mentioned McChesney because just because I I like how fiery he is. Like, it's, and then somebody said, "Well, McChesney, Dmac, and Wolf would be a good team." And you know, I, I can immediately see like a WWE, you know, chair, you know, match, you know, uh, you know, chairs being thrown in the booth, uh, you know, there between uh, Wolf and McChesney. I don't know why. I'm sure they have no beef. I just it, it could be very entertaining. I think. Um, it would be something. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what it would be. And, uh, I, I, uh, I really like Matt. Matt's a good friend. Yeah. Um, and he knows his stuff and he pays attention. Yeah. He's one person who does the work. So I, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. Yeah, no. Um, that's why I said, I, I suggested him cause I, you know, I was watching some analysis he was doing online last night and, uh, and plus he's very fiery. He's like, ah, so I, yeah, that could be entertaining. Um, your thoughts, how was the post game last night? What were people's reactions? Uh, a lot of vitriol, a lot of um, disgust with Vance Joseph. People upset that uh, they're seeing kind of the same pattern of not getting stops when the team needs to get stops. And that was kind of the point of contention of the argument is to, is that on Vance Joseph? Is that on the defensive coordinator? Is it more the same that we've seen over the last seven years uh, of a defense not standing up when it counts? Or is it just preseason game number two and none of the guys that didn't get stops on the last two 49ers possessions are going to be on the 53-man roster? So what are we talking about? Um, that's that's kind of the back and forth as to what side people fell on last night. But there are a lot of people who will take any and every opportunity to point out that they did not want Vance Joseph back here and uh, are going to to criticize him and, and be ready to jump the second that the defense lets this team down in a key moment in the regular season. Yeah, I'm already seeing this morning text saying the same thing. Should we be worried about Vance Joseph? I don't know about worried. Uh, we'll see what the starters look like. I thought there were um, some pretty good pressure packages last night. I think Jonathan Cooper really stood out. And I think a guy like Elijah Garcia being developed late in the game, uh, I think there are some good things. And the fact that the team had three total turnovers, two of them forced by the defense, is something that 
Jake Fangio's defenses never did. So if they can do that during the regular season, there are some positives there. I also think that one of the things that has been really overlooked and, and underplayed is Damari Mathis in particular has really grown since the parade of flags that he was unjustly kind of um, saddled with in his debut last year. He is turning into a really good player that can play opposite of Pat Sertan, and I think Isang Bassi continues to grow in the secondary as well, has a chance to be a playmaker. So I think they're finding some guys, and um, if EJ can dial up pressure with that group, then, yeah, it's going to look a lot different than uh, I think the the critics are expecting. Well, and I don't, uh, again, I don't panic about anything in, in this game or the preseason, particularly like how lax with the new rules are or whatever it is. I'm just not panicking about anything. But if you look at the one series that, you know, the the, the Niners tried essentially with their, with Brock Purdy, I mean, they marched right down. I mean, they, they just went through it like butter, essentially. Um, oh yeah, they, they they went straight down the field, and it was um, I was very disappointed in the first series that the starters were out there on defense. And I, I think more than anything else, it, it pointed out a few things. Um, one, I don't know where Kyle Shanahan stands, and if he still has just a, a tinge of a grudge against this franchise for being passed over for Vance Joseph, and maybe wanted to make a little bit more of a statement on that opening series. Not anything you know, in terms of, of sending a message and blowing out a team in the preseason, because who cares? But if it's one series of starters against starters, and he says, okay, I'm going to light you up because you work again for the franchise that chose you over me. And the other thing that I thought was, was really, really clear is they didn't even have Christian McCaffrey on the field, but Debo Samuel had two big plays early. Brandon Ayuk had a big play. And I pointed this out in the post game last night. Brandon Ayuk is kind of an average fourth option for that team, a contending team, he is a more reliable and consistent player than anybody the Broncos have in their receiving core. And I don't mean that as a, a huge insult to the talent of Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton or, or anyone else, but facts are facts. He's been in the league the same amount of time as Jerry Judy, and he's had more catches every season. And if that's a product of the quarterback or the offensive system or the head coach or whatever it is, I get that. There are other factors involved, but he's a better player. So they have more options and more weapons, right? And if you take that back to the defense, this is what we're talking about. The Broncos and Vance Joseph schemes having to stop because they have not faced teams going all out against them over the last six seasons because they haven't had to. And if the Broncos score more points offensively and they get in that 23, 24 point a game range, other teams are going to respond with a more dynamic game plan than what we are used to seeing. So that is the challenge that is going to be in front of Vance Joseph and that defense going forward is teams aren't going to be as vanilla as they have been against Denver the last three to six years. Well, we saw it again last night, right? And this was what I was talking about yesterday. Okay, they kind of have a little bit of success. They pick up some first downs, then there's a penalty late, and then they kick a field goal. And that's been kind of the hallmark of these Broncos offenses uh, for that that have scored 16, 70 points a game for the last six, seven years. And then the and then the other team knows what to do, right? Yeah, because they they you, you play to win the game. It's the Herm Edwards quote, right? You're yeah. not playing to score forty eight every week and annihilate teams. Right. You play to do what you need to do to win the game. And I thought if if Brock Purdy and the first team offense for San Francisco would have stayed in the game, uh, it 
didn't appear that Denver was going to have any answers for them, uh, at least through you know a quarter and a half or getting the halftime to make an adjustment. I mean, that first series, like you said, it was it was a knife through butter. It was it was a piece of cake. Yeah, and then yeah, the Broncos. Yeah, by the way, you we've had this conversation several times um, about the the Broncos' weapons. You were talking about Ayuk versus Judy last night. Um, I hear about how great the Broncos' first team offense looked with Russ. Um, unless I'm getting this wrong, Corlin Sutton, Jerry Judy, one catch for five yards total. Yeah, and I think you saw very early what Sean Payton knows this offense is going to be because Javante Williams, 10 months removed from knee surgery, playing for the first time, touched the ball on the first four plays he was in the game. And I think that's what this offense is going to be relying on. It's going to be relying on Javante Williams and Samaj P. Ryan and now Jaleel McLaughlin as a third down or a change of pace back. Those are the primary playmakers because those are the only dynamic weapons on the offense. There aren't any in the receiving core. And until those show themselves or develop, this is a run-first team, and it's going to be a, a short you know, pass to a screen in the flat running back type of team. There were no plays down the field last night. How far was the ball in the air from Stidham to Virgil right before the half? That was the longest play down the field that they had, but there weren't any with Russ. Russ played 12 plays, and he ran on three of them. Yeah, he, so, he tried the one. I mean, obviously it wasn't successful. He tried the one to Judy that, you know, went, you know, wasn't close to completion. You're right. He was into double coverage, and it was, you know, three yards over his head, and that was on a third down play. Right. Um, when they had to, right? It wasn't like uh, any off-script stuff. It was more of your, your typical old-school football that you would see, you know, in, in any – high school or college game plan, run, run, pass on third down when you have to. Yeah, it, um, it's weird now with Russ. I don't think Russ played bad. I, I just It was just a kind of a meh performance. He did what he kind of had to do. And I think now uh, Sean Payton, just because of all this narrative around Russell right now, is kind of spiraling out of control. He just said, all right, let's just get him out of here. Um, but your, your assessment of what you saw with Russell Wilson last night. Uh, incomplete. I mean, didn't show me anything one way or another. I think him running three times and what happened with um, running, whether that was at his own read and a designed run for him and then one other scramble, I think the original plan of the whatever it was, 12, 16, 20 plays, got cut short immediately because they were like, he's already run three times. We cannot have this happen and get him killed in the second preseason game. So let's just pull the plug now and regroup and figure out if these guys are going to play at all against the Rams next week or if they're going to take three weeks off and roll the dice and see what, what comes out when the Raiders come to town. All right. I, I, I have to ask you this because all the, you know, all the media is like, yeah, Russ is running and this and that. My, my assessment seems to be like you. Like, that can't be the, the, the recipe for the rest of the season. Because, one, Russ, to me, didn't look fast. Like, yeah, he, he was effective, and you can do that, but eventually that's going to catch up with you, just like it did last year when he was getting concussions, right? Like, he's taken off because everything is breaking down, and he's getting smoked. Um, yeah, and he's, th- he's 34 years old. And, you know, people that got excited about that zone read where he, he faked the handoff and went around the corner and ran for the first down, um, he looked adequate enough to get a few yards and move the chains. He didn't look fast or electric. It's not like you're watching Lamar Jackson do that around the corner. My my take is if 
if that is in the playbook and teams have to account for it, fine. And if you use it to move the chains and get two or three yards once every three, four games, fine. No issue with it. But if you're reliant on that as part of your offensive game plan every week to think he is going to do a zone read and run the football, then you've got a college offense and you're in big, big trouble with a 34-year-old quarterback. Yeah. Um, So, but him taking off so much, I heard a lot of, yeah, this is what's going to be the offense. And I'm like, dude, if that's the offense, we're in big, big trouble. And and that's probably not it. They're cooked. Yeah. Um, Russ is cooked. Yeah, he's not cooking. He's cooked. All right, Chad, uh, last thoughts before I let you go and enjoy the uh, beautiful day at the golf course. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm pulling for Neil Shipley here. He's a, he's an interesting guy. If you haven't looked him up, he's kind of a big guy with a, a long hair. Uh, doesn't really fit the mold that you would think of, um, the, the golf country club atmosphere. And he's, he had the fans pumped up with a chip in yesterday. So uh, I'm going to go out there, check him out in person. I'm going to pull for him to win the amateur today. All right. Thank you, Chad Andrus. Have a great day. Thanks, bud. All right. Uh, I agreed with a lot of what Chad had to say. If you want to react to what Chad had to say and get your thoughts in about the game last night, your chance is coming up next. the movie Austin Powers. Colin, remember the movie Austin Powers? Ain't no doubt about it. Mike Myers back. Yes. And there's a scene, I don't know if it was in um, the first Austin Powers movie or the second Austin Powers movie, where remember the Fembots? Yes. That was the first one. Okay. And he's he's being attacked by the Fembots and Austin Powers is. And so he had to like turn on the music and start dancing and Austin Powers was so incredibly sexy that that's how he destroyed the fembots because they just started to discombobulate and their heads and body parts started exploding um, because they couldn't handle the sexiness of Austin Powers. Yes, yeah, they started to shake all over the place. Yeah, and, and, yes. yeah, and, just, you know, and he would do his dance moves and... Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the, the fake gun thing. Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, Their heads yeah. would explode each time. yeah. That's what uh, that's what I feel is happening to the local Denver media every time they have to talk about Russell Wilson or they watch Russell Wilson. Like their heads are just creepy, exploding. Like they just have no idea what they're watching, what to say. They just have no clue how to react, and they're just like fembots, just exploding. Their heads are just exploding, and so. They just and, and this has happened time and time again. Eventually, they'll just come around, and six months from now, they'll just be coming back to what they've heard on the Dan Jacobs show, and it'll be exactly what you hear today, right? Honestly. Um, because they just have no idea. And so you got, like, James Merlat talking about, like, the last two weeks, saying how great and how encouraging it is Russell Wilson's performance in the preseason. And same thing with DMAC. DMAC coming up 
like like it's so impossible to take what you've seen out of Russell Wilson the last couple of weeks. Now you can say it wasn't bad, right? Like that's a fair take. I, I would I would agree that it wasn't bad. Yeah, you yeah you you could per- it's perfectly reasonable to say well you know, it's not bad. No. You could say it's 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 better than what we saw last year. Yes, because uh, last year was bad. Last year at times he was hurting his team. You could I mean you could say positive things about what you've seen the last couple of weeks. You could say um, you know you could even say maybe he's helped his team. Right? You could say, uh, you know, the offensive line has um, been poor these first couple weeks of the preseason, and so uh, he's made some decisions like to run the ball that have you know helped the team, and he's made he's been a little smarter. There's there's some positive things that you could say, you know, in encouragement of Russell Wilson. Um, but what you, what you can't say is that he's been transcendent or that it's been really good and, you know, go off on these big Pollyannish assessments that Russell Wilson's back and that Russell Wilson's special and that Russell Wilson's great and all this stuff. Because the numbers don't bear that out. The performances don't bear that out. Um, and he just hasn't been great, right? Yeah, it wasn't dynamic. Right. And when Russ came in, it was like, oh, can you imagine Jerry Judy catching that deep ball like Tyler Lockett did uh, for, from Russ and the Seahawks? Right. Like last night, Ryan Harris, when they pulled uh, Russell Wilson, Ryan Harris says he was dynamic, and so they took him out. Like, it's absurd, right? He wasn't dynamic, okay? He was three of six for 24 yards. With no touchdowns and no interceptions, okay. And what was what were his three three um, completions? Well, one was you know a decent little pass to a you know a falling down um, Javante uh, Williams. The other one was a quite frankly dangerous um, you know shuttle, shovel pass or whatever. Dangerous, yeah, yeah, foot pass to Javante Williams, which he probably shouldn't had. And then what was the other one? Oh, it was a um, you know kind of a meaningless. Um, you know, a, a pass on, you know, was it second or third down to Marvin Mims, you know, uh, on, on, I think it was second and long. So yeah, was, Mims juggled. Uh, yeah, he almost dropped, um, which was just to pick up some yardage, and then, you know, they ended up getting the field goal. Um, so um, you're, you're not going to say, well, you know, he, 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 did, he made a bunch of special plays to put them in great positions, right? I, I, I dare say out of the duel of the starting quarterbacks, if, if if the game had continued trending the way it was, he got outplayed, right? Like Brock Purdy looked, looked really good, marched them right down, and Russell Wilson and the offense struggled, um, just like they struggled last last week as well. So I, mean, I agree with that, but one thing I really do want to circle back to is what Chad said about Russ, they, them pulling him because he ran so much. I didn't think about that until Chad had actually said that. That's something that... I think they probably planned on playing him more, and I was disappointed not to see more of Russ. But because he was having to run so much, I think that was Sean Payton kind of protecting him from, I mean, a San Francisco defense that was kind of swarming. They were they were getting ready to hit him. Yes, he was going to get hit more. And, like, he did take a little hit, like, on that one where he ran out of bounds. Um, and I'll get into why they, they pulled him and why Sean Payton, you know, uh, Liar, liar, pants on fire. I, I, yeah, I heard, I heard what you're going to talk about, but I, yeah, I don't yeah. believe it. Yeah, we'll, we'll go into that. Um, so, so, but to get back to the original point, like, like, you can't really say Russ has been fantastic and he's been great because it's just not true, right? You can say all sorts of things. And again, the point is we're not going to panic 
about what's happened because this preseason, it is what it is. They're really just trying to get to the regular season, and then they need to really get the time in together. And then we're going to see once live bullets are flying, then we're, we're, we're going to see how this goes. But it's weird that we have all these media types, you know, getting in these one, you know, all these different little camps saying this, that, and the other. So you, you really got to listen to the people that are, you know, like, I guess like Chad and like myself that are really taking, because we don't have the agenda here. Like, like people have really, st- you know, st- you know uh, staked out their positions where they're going to be and they can't be moved off their little agendas, their little fiefdoms because they, they, they don't want to have egg on their face, right? So you have like, our good friend, we love him, but James Merrillat is just simply going to say, no matter what happens, I have to say Russell Wilson is doing great, right? I have to say it. And so he's, he's sending out his cryptic little tweets last night with uh, Russell Wilson bandwagon. It's right here. Like, there's nothing last night you would have said put Russell Wilson on the bandwagon. Like, why? Why would, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, what I, I tweeted at James was, I think we're in dangerous territory, and I know what James is trying to do, and I don't think there's any, you know, ill intentions with it. But we really shouldn't be talking about, and I think we're actually now getting to that point where we're doing Russ a disservice by talking about the Russell Wilson bandwagon. Because this team, while, yes, we need Russell Wilson to play well, I think it's becoming more and more obvious especially with performances like last night, we are seeing, as we've seen throughout camp, Russell Wilson is simply not good enough. At least it doesn't look this way. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it doesn't look like Russell Wilson is not good enough. He's not the guy we traded for. So if we're going to pin all of our hopes and expectations on Russell Wilson being the savior, like now James Merlot is selling him to be, we're all going to be supremely disappointed, right? So if we're all saying, get on the Russell Wilson bandwagon so we can have fun and be um, satisfied as Broncos fans this season, man, we're all going to be disappointed. So why don't we pivot, James and others, to the Broncos bandwagon? Because I think that's what... And I don't know this yet because he just doesn't reveal his hand, right? Because, like, we're about to get into it here in a little bit. Sean Payton is old school. He's like, uh, he's almost like Dick Nixon, right? And Mike Shanahan was a lot like this we were talking about yesterday. Sean Payton is the last of a dying breed, right? He's not going to be honest with you. He tries to be charming. He tries to mask it in his own little charming facade. But he's going to lie to your face, right? And he's going he's gonna to run dis, uh, misdirection, and he's going to have deception, and he's going to be dishonest. But he's going to try and do it in what he thinks is a charming way. And i gotta, I got to be honest with you. Um, it's, it's becoming more and more off-putting. And if they don't win right away, um, I think the fan base is going to turn on him fairly quickly because um, we're just becoming more and more – well, one, because he's coming into a situation where – this highly loyal fan base has been put through so much for so long. We are in a situation where this, um, you know, it's the longest stretch of futility in the franchise's history. And, the, you know, we've just been 
you know, Pat Bowen set such a high standard of excellence for so long, we just never had to put up with this. And then we've been um, told time and time again that we're, things are getting fixed. And, you know, Joe Ellis and John Elway had told us this, that, and the other. And it's been seven, eight years now. And so now we're, we're being told the same thing by Sean Payton. He's coming in and saying playoffs, and we're doing the opposite, and, and he's talking a big game. And so if he doesn't deliver and he's giving this mightier-than-thou um, facade, I think it's going to uh, – and, and we feel you know, that he's not being um, truthful. I think, I think the act is going to um, grow tired really quick, right? Like um, if you're not winning, that's – I don't think Broncos country is, is, is going to tolerate it very long. It's one thing if you're Bill Belichick, right, and you have Tom Brady and you're winning. Okay. And it's one thing if you're Sean Payton and you have Drew Brees and you took a terrible franchise and you won a Super Bowl and you're always on the cusp every year, almost every year seemingly, right? In New Orleans, that's one thing. But if you're Sean Payton and you're coming into Broncos country that always had high expectations, that was used to getting to Super Bowls and or winning Super Bowls and then now has been kind of a laughing stock and is sick and tired and fed up, and you come in and make promises of going to the playoffs the first year and and say, oh, no, there's no problem with Russ. The problem was the old guy, and I'm the new sheriff in town, and I'm going to fix it, and you don't, and then you seem to be kind of, you know, uh, not being uh, on the up and up and, okay, and you don't fix it. Well, things can be problematic very qu- fairly quickly. Liar! So I, I think even along those lines that, like, Broncos country we would have been fine with Hackett's happy-go-lucky attitude last year if they had been winning. Right. It would it was a different breath of fresh air, but we just, as a fan base, we won't take the losing over and over again and the excuses that right. are the same thing. It's why right. are we doing the same thing over? Right. So, when, so, like, last night, for example, here's what I think happened. Okay. They come out, Russell, I, I, and I think because, again, all, the, all these people in the media are making this all about Russ. And Russell, I just don't think, is good enough anymore to to lift, put this team on his shoulders. And, and, and they're not good enough, man. Offensively, they got all sorts of problems. If Sean Payton, and I'm not, listen, I am not saying that this team can't be much better than they were last year and that Sean Payton can't lift them up to a higher level. And if you give him some time, they can get better and better and better over the course of, you know, a couple, two, three seasons where he can get them to be really good. I don't think it's I, – I will be consistent. I think Sean Payton's a good coach, and I think if you give him time and resources, he can get them to a much better place. I don't think he's football Jesus, and you can just come and expect him to come in here with the same essentially cast of characters – and expect him to just, boom, they're better than the Chiefs and Chargers and the Bengals and the Bills and the Ravens and the other team and, and, the, and the Jaguars. Like, why are we expecting that? In what world do you think that makes sense? Right? Like, it's, it, it, it's just weird that, that that's our expectation. I just don't th- – it doesn't make sense to me. But, you know, when – but – so I just don't think Russell Wilson's that good. So what I think happened last night, now he's like, all right, uh, if I can just get Russell out of this game, the season, the preseason is essentially done. 
he's not going to play anymore. We got two weeks to just shut out the noise, and then we get to the regular season, right? I think that's what he's thinking. So I'll just come out. He'll lie to everybody, even though we know Russell was expected to play, just like with all the other starters. Remember what DMAC said, right? What was it, two weeks ago? Before the first uh, week or two, before the first preseason game? I didn't catch it. Oh, yeah. So we're out there broadcasting at the denversports.com zone, right? And um, we're just talking, well, the starter's going to play? And he's like, yes, right? His whole, we're not not doing like we did last year. Starter's going to play, right? No camp hack it. Yep, no camp hack it. So DMAC says, does that include Russ? And Sean Payton gives a smarmy little uh, sarcastic attitude. Russ is a player, isn't he? Uh, Russ is a starter, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's going to play. Well, what was Coach Hackett asked? Yes, the starters are going to go, what, 20, 20-some plays. Yeah. Russ is a player, isn't he? He's a starter, isn't he? But now all of a sudden after the game, well, that was always our plan. We always had numbers for him. He was only going to play for baloney, right? But the fact of the matter is he went out there, you know, you were like – they probably were just like, dude, Russ is doing what he's doing. We're not having a great – it's not looking great. It's probably not going to get any better. Offensive line is not holding up. Um, Russ is going to take hits. We saw what we're going to see out of Russ, right? Is anything great going to come out of Russ tonight? No, right? Only bad stuff is going to happen. We're going to have a bad narrative for the – you know, out of one more series, right? The more he plays, the longer we have to play him – until he does something good. Because that's what they had to do the week before. It's one of those things. Sean Payton is sensitive. He's sensitive to the media, just like Mike Shanahan was. That's how these old school guys are. Okay, they have rabbit ears. Right? They act like they don't pay attention, and they do. Right? Why do you think Sean Payton is so extremely paranoid about the media? Why do you think he has these... Gestapo-like policies where you can't even say what you watch during a practice. Why do you think that is? Why we're out, you know, we got guys out there watching practice and they call in and like, dude, sorry, I can't tell you what I just saw. It's insane. Why do you think they're limiting the amount of people that can even go watch practice? Okay? It's absurd. Because he is paranoid to the nth degree. Like, I'm watching at his press conference last night. I've never even seen this before. A, a coach after, I mean, I'm sure it's happened. I just, I, I, don't, I can't remember the last time I've seen it, if I've ever seen it. A coach up there kind of um, talking to uh, the media like, like there's their children, like, I'll do one more. Normally, it's the, the, the PR guy going, all right, one more for coach. And he's like, all right, I'll take one more. Like, like all right, one more, you, you know, like, Wow. He is the ultimate paranoid about the media. And so when he said, I'm going to play the starters in week one, and they came out and did Diddley's poo, he's like, well, we got to send him out there for a fourth possession because I, I, I don't want to hear it all week when we've looked like crap and we didn't do anything, so I'll send him out there. And then we still have to go for it on fourth down, and we score a touchdown. Okay, now I can pull Russ. And so last night, I think he's just like, I'm just pulling him. We'll get the field goal, and I'm going to pull Russ, and then I'll put in Stidham, and I can lie about it, and then we'll be done because then we're not going to play him next week, and then it's just, it'll you know, it'll all blow over, and then it's just on to the Raiders. And that's that. I can tell a white, little white lie in the postgame, and we'll move on. And then I can, you know, throw up my, you know, 
yeah, deflect towards the officials because I'll, I'll be all upset about how we lost the game and it was the officials' fault and all that stuff. He's a weird cat, man. He, he, is, he is a dying breed. Old Sean Payton. He's interesting. All right, we'll get into um, more of this stuff. More, I got a ton of more stuff to react to uh, about the game that happened last night. Um, we'll get to your reaction. And then, coming up in about 30 minutes, we will check in. Jimmy G, looking good. I was told the Raiders were supposed to be bad. The Broncos are definitely going to be better than them and at least the Raiders in the AFC West. We're going to check in with our old friend Steve Cofield from ESPN Las Vegas. Coming up in about 30 minutes as well. It's the Dan Jacobs Show here on an easy like Sunday morning.